Yo, what's good everyone? Welcome to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. It's a relatively nice Sunday morning. It's not really too cold, it's not really that like, it's not raining or anything. So I'm looking out my window right now. Nice vibes. Uh Sunday mornings are probably like my favorite favorite time of the week because it's just like chilled. Um just before afternoon hits and you start thinking about oh crap, I gotta get ready for work and that. Um but yeah, today we're joined with actually just half of the cast today. Um, some of the men have gone AWOL, I won't lie to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we might have a surprise visit from uh, Patrick at some point. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to this discussion. We've got Tom in the building. Tom, how's it going? Yeah, what's good, quick? I'm good, man. I'm good. Nice, nice little week. You get me going skiing yesterday. It was, it was brilliant. Weather was lovely. Um, drive back to Geneva, though, was mad. Like, everybody decided to do the same thing, like go out somewhere on Saturday. Mm. And then coming back, it was just chock a block, and and our motorways are two lanes, not three. So if one of the lanes gets shut off because of a breakdown, which is what happened, man, it was like six kilometers of queues in that, and it was oh, it was just long. So oh, wow. an hour and a half drive uh, took me three hours on the way back. But aside from that, all was good. Happy I can even do that in the first place. You get me? So well, if you're blessed, blessed, bro. Yeah, you're blessed. Like oh, I feel blessed, man. There's there's not a lot of activity going on in London, and and. Yeah, even less so in Croydon now. <laughs> so like... No um, box park, nah, just completely shut down. Yeah, and... bro, everything's, everything's yeah, locked mad, up. Yeah, mad, How are you though? How was your week, man? Nah, it's been good. It's been, again, like, as usual, quite a busy one. Um, mm. Probably more so because there's another project I'm working on. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but um, maybe a couple of years ago, I wrote a piece for um, a friend of mine's publication, like a like a magazine that he has called Caricom. Mm. Um, and I did a piece on like mental health of black men. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it got a really good reception. Uh, like I had a lot of people reaching out and I've heard people that used it for like classes and workshops and stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. But the editor then got back to me and asked me to contribute an essay to a book he's, he's um, writing. Oh, mad. Yeah. So it's going to be a collection of essays. Um and it's interesting that Tom, you probably you'll probably love it, but it's all about um, it's talking about the black black British experience through football. Oh well, um, swear done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad. And, yeah, it's mad. And and my, obviously, you know, I'm not a football guy like that. I kind of I kind of stopped following football in like '06, so like my <laughs> my football knowledge <laughs> is very limited right now. But um, I'm I'm doing like an interesting piece, and I've just been like writing bits and bobs over the weekend, so um, that's kind of taking a bit of time, but. Outside of that, just chilling with the family, linked up with one of my brethren's uh, yesterday. Um, don't nick me, like it is what it is. <laughs> man, family is what somehow. it is, man. I'm telling you, man. It's yeah. hard. It's hard out here, man. Yeah. Know, it's very hard, man. Yeah, but besides that, all good, man. It's all good. Good. Yeah, have things slowed down a bit? I remember last week you were saying our work's been a bit of a madness. Yeah, no, things have pretty much caught. I think like, earnings is basically done now. So, and obviously, my my life around that period of time revolves around that four times a year. So mm. this is the last set of earnings before pretty much February, March time, then you get four year results. So it kind of, now I get a bit of breathing room can, mm. you know, so it's good. It's good. Things are calm now, but yeah, I was just doing mad, mad hours. Still a bit busy this week. I had a couple of presentations to to get ready for. So that took a bit of my time, but actually it's, it's all right now. We can relax now. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm pleased, man. Relieved. <laughs> no, sweet. That no, was good. Good to hear, man. Like, gotta take care of the the well being, all that good stuff. Yeah, trust me, man. Um, all right, sick. So today, I didn't mention before, but we're actually joined by a special guest. Um, I'll let him introduce himself shortly. But I actually came across him. Like, I think he came to my radar a few years ago. I think I might have got like an ad on Facebook or something along those lines or like linked like somewhere at some at some point. And um, I actually came across um, an article where where our guest was featured and it was like a very, there's one very striking photo. Um, and I guess we can talk a little bit about that further. That, that really stood out. Um, but yeah, our guest today is Joshua. Um, Joshua, feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I'm Joshua. I'm a second year politics and international relations student at uh, the University of Cambridge. And um, alongside my degree, I'm sort of quite involved 
um, within access work at the university and sort of beyond. Um, I'm one of the founding members and current uh, head of social media at AIM Cambridge, which is essentially a student-led access initiative that is aimed at inspiring students from underrepresented ethnic backgrounds to competently apply to the university, knowing that there is a place uh, with and for people like them. Mm. And so we create online content. We're actually hoping to launch a podcast at some point, um, uh, just in order to sort of, I guess, sort of spread the word as far and wide as, as possible. And uh, yeah, so it's essentially a bit about me. And uh, yeah, again, I'm sort of very happy to be on what is my favourite podcast, I must say. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, guest. Oh, blessings, man, blessings. Love that, man. Um, and yeah, equally, bro, we're really, like, really happy to have you. Like, we're always gassed when we can speak to some of the current students as well and, like, contrast our experiences and see, like, any way that we can, like, offer advice or how experiences can, like, help with you guys as well. So, no, I really guess to have you on. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, like, I first came across you on this this article, right? I think it was on The, the Guardian. And um, a very striking photo of you, I think, on your on your estate, in your like full um, Etonian uh, like school uniform, right? Mm. And it was just mad, like the juxtaposition, obviously, of like being on being on the block and then in your kind of very formal um, attire. And two things that obviously don't usually coincide with each other. So um, I just before we kind of kick off and go into like some of the other topics, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about like your background. So. Um, you know, heritage, where you're from, where do you live, where do you grow up, um, and then a bit about your backstory as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess sort of starting from my parents. So my parents were both born in uh, Nigeria and migrated uh, to, to, the, to the UK. Um, uh, so I was actually born in, in Dublin, in Ireland, because we, we lived there for a few years. Um, the rest of my siblings were born here, me being the last born. And so I, I've always sort of grown up in South East London. So, mm. so I live on the Brandon Estate, which is kind of situated um, between Camberwell and Kennington. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, whenever people ask, so like, so like whereabouts you live, it's always either Camberwell or Kennington because like no one really knows where exactly it is. Yeah. Um, or so for 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 uh, friends who probably don't know the area at all, I just say it's near the Oval, because uh, <laughs> that one's a bit more of a stretch in it. People tend to know about cricket in certain circles that I, I've um, uh, inhibited in the past. So, yeah. so yeah, um, I guess um, yeah. So South London all my life, and I sort of currently, obviously, uh, living in Cambridge. I've I also sort of boarded for for two years in sort of Windsor while I was at Eton. Um, I don't know if you wanted me to sort of touch on that journey now. Yeah, no, that'll be really yeah. interesting. Yeah, please, man, yeah. please do, bro. So, um, so um, when I was about, I think it was fifteen, I sort of stumbled across an article uh, in the local newspaper about a young man that had won a scholarship to Eton from a sort of very very similar school to mine uh, in Woolworth. It's actually under the same network of schools called ARC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I found that really inspiring. And I just sort of thought, you know, if someone sort of from a very sort of similar area, I think he, he grew up in Brixton, uh, could sort of achieve such a feat. I sort of thought, you know, I think it'd at least be worthwhile giving it a go. And um, the following year, I sort of decided to uh, send off an application. And... <laughs> me being me, it was all very last minute, getting it, getting in references and um, sort of mini personal statements, and then a few months later, I, I, um, I think about a month or so later, I sort of found that I'd been shortlisted for these interviews and exams, and so essentially, I went down to Eton for about uh, three days. Um, I had, I think it was about six interviews. Wow. Three tests. So in, to, to an extent, it was more rigorous than the Oxford pro, Ox, um, Cambridge process, mm. um, which I must say definitely sort of does help prepare you for when it's time to actually sort of go on to do these, to apply for such, such institutions. Um, and a couple of days later, I found out that I'd been successful in attaining a conditional offer, which 
you know, I was obviously very happy to hear. And in terms of um, sort of uh, almost my inspiration again for applying, it was also my sister, my older sister, she did something quite similar. She applied to a school called Christ Hospital, um, which is in uh, Sussex, I believe. And I actually applied there too, but wasn't fortunate enough to get in. Uh, sort of, I'd say sort of, in a way was uh, sort of blessing in disguise because I sort of went on to apply to Eton and I wouldn't have done so again if I was given an offer there. But yeah, just in terms of me personally, I've just sort of always been uh, someone who's sort of thought, you know, there must be something more, you know. Um, don't get me wrong, there were some great schools in my area, but I was thinking, you know, what's the best in the country? You know what I mean, <laughs> I, I've always sort of sought a challenge and I sort of thought, I didn't really see any sort of bigger challenge than applying to a school uh, like Eton, just with the sort of prestige, uh, history and reputation that it has. So I guess, I guess that was what sort of encouraged me to apply. And I also had some great teachers who instilled in me uh, the sort of belief and drive to even have, you know, the audacity to sort of <laughs> do such thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I always, we always like kind of love when we hear that, you know, you had, encouraging teachers that really push you to do it because I think as a we've had mixed experiences within like us lot and then even like I guess we've had where some had like really supportive teachers others were less so um but it's always encouraging to hear um when they are um I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit so just to clarify yeah. you, did you apply for Eton whilst you're at uni I mean excuse me whilst you were at primary school <laughs> <did you? laughs> it's early man it's early morning yeah. um, but no, did you, um, was it like whilst at primary school, was it in like halfway through secondary school or whatever? No, nah, so it was, it was uh, for sixth form. So I applied okay. in year 11, just at the start of year 11, mm-hmm. to take up a place at sixth form. So my final uh, sort of two years of school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really know about, I guess, the sort of eating opportunity in year nine, because that's when students will start. <clears throat> sorry students will start eating majority of them having come from prep preparatory schools which finish in year um eight wow so, yeah okay That's- yeah man and i was just going to say um talk talk about that that eating experience um how was it and then talk about applying to cambridge or eton and, and some of the i guess the comparison uh, between applying for Eton and then applying for Cambridge. Just talk about those two experiences. Yeah, cool. Um, so I guess sort of when I, when I, jo- when I joined Eton, um, definitely it was quite a sort of daunting experience. Uh, you know, simply enough not knowing anyone and then also just sort of <laughs> almost being transported into this sort of <laughs> new world as such. Uh, so sort of very different from, you know, quote unquote, the ends, you know, people... Um, you know, not many people, um, you know, had sort of similar lived experiences, uh, sort of people often sort of spoke a certain way and, you know, just sort of being in a place where I'd never sort of had any sort of similar experiences of uh, sort of being in definitely sort of threw me off a bit. But, you know, soon enough, I found my feet. I found sort of, don't be wrong, there were sort of several other people who had sort of similar experiences to me and I was able to relate with them on, on that level. But I often sort of, I, I seem to realize that, you know, although we had many differences, you know, in terms of culture and upbringing, there were sort of still several uh, sort of points that we could relate on, whether, whether it was sport or just sort of similar interests. And I sort of took up several different extracurricular activities like um, athletics. I was on the, I, was on the uh, I did high jump, which I'd never done before, really. I did table tennis. I was in several school plays and, you know, just through that, you know, you get to meet people and you, I guess you get to know people for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of a, a sort of life lesson I learned. You know, it's important not to sort of uh, judge anyone, you know, before, you know, truly getting to know them. Um, th- it was quite hard in terms of, I guess, keeping up, especially in the early stages. Um, academic rigor is this sort of super, super, super high. and we do these things called trials at Eton, which are essentially our mock exams. But <laughs> the way it works is you're not actually given a grade, you're ranked in terms of everyone else who sat the exam. 
So <laughs> it, it can be quite misleading to know how you're actually performing academically because you're, sit, you're sitting a test, which I guess so many other bright students are doing. So if you come, for example, 25th out of 30 students, you know, you might still be working at like an A grade, but you, you might find that quite demoralizing because you're essentially pitting yourself against sort of other sort of super intelligent people. So I think that was something that was quite hard at first, but I think it's something that I adapted to uh, sort of pretty fast. Um, On average, where were you? Just out of curiosity, where did you rank on in average, these things? I'd say like top, top half, top half. Yeah, I, I'm not any sort of like genius. And I was never, I was never tapped to sort of top the class or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I'd say sort of top half. You know, there were a couple of times. It's respectable. It's very yeah, respectable, you yeah, know. Yeah, but um, that was something I definitely sort of worked towards. And um, um, early on, early on, I was definitely sort of lower. But you know, we worked our way up. Um, and yeah, so in my final year, I was actually fortunate enough to to be elected as a as a prefect. And uh, anyone who knows anything about Eton, pre being a prefect is like a pretty huge deal, uh, in the sense that uh, so about twenty five out of 250 so essentially 10% of the year group get elected as prefects and there's actually a sort of a body of teachers that convene to sort of elect the prefects once a year and it's just a huge deal um around sort of prefect election times you often get students you know you know putting their best foot forward you know kind of sucking up to teachers as such in order to sort of try and get that nomination um <laughs> yeah i mean you i heard one or two stories about um sort of people sort of offering um sort of sort of a little a little something if you know people would uh sort of give them cast them a vote because they actually allowed for the first time in my year students to um elect sorry students to <clears throat> vote for who they felt should become prefect and yeah so as a prefect you actually you're given a room so it's essentially a prefect room that only the prefects can enter um not even teachers like teachers have to have to ask for permission to enter this room and this is just one of the traditions mm -hmm. that um that Eton has and you get to wear whatever waistcoat of your choice and um I'm not too sure what picture it was Kwaku because <clears throat> there's sort of two pictures that were going around was it the one of oh was it the one of me standing in front of a tower block maybe or yeah, in, in the there's one yeah there's one in the kitchen oh, the one in, okay and i think i might have seen, i think i might have seen both but yeah the one that okay. i remember cool. yeah. I mean, okay the one in my kitchen i wasn't i wasn't wearing a sort of fancy waistcoat as such but essentially you could wear any waistcoat so i had a martin luther king waistcoat so a watercolor portrait of him i had a sort of a retro nigerian sort of uh world cup <laughs> waistcoat you know i was really <laughs> representing do you got what i mean so um yeah i mean i guess just sort of certain privileges that you get uh, attributed to you once you sort of kind of earned the role of a prefect and I guess sort of joining in sick form it's a lot harder because you only have a year or so to prove yourself and you know I'm just sort of I guess grateful that you know people sort of saw these attributes in me that they sort of perceived to be worthy of I guess becoming a, a, a prefect um yeah you you it sounds like you're a popular kid <laughs> I don't know if if it, it was if it was based on um, a mixture of popular vote plus the teachers and whatever you that's I think is a big yeah it's a big testament to how much impact you made in a short period of time so no, I appreciate that yeah no it's really really cool to hear and I was kind of contrasting as you were speaking part of that part of your experiences with um, with mine because um, I mean we have a somewhat of a similar background so I grew up in um, the Alsbury Estate Wolf Road as well okay. so like yeah. really local to to Brandon. And I actually ended up going to a grammar school, um, which was like, yeah, quite, not far, I mean, it was in the, the borough of London, but a bit further out. And um, I remember going in first day and thinking like, wow, this is like Harry Potter. There's like <laughs> yeah. these hallways and there's like pictures of um, the head boys going back to like, you know, the 50s or the 40s or whatever. Yeah. In fact, I tell a lie, even back to like the 20s. Um, and it was it was a bit of a culture shock to me. Um, one that I, I think relatively quickly got got through, but like it was it was just an interesting um, experience to have, and I tend to think, well, people tend to think like having that kind of like grammar school experience um, equips you really well for Cambridge or Oxbridge in general, and for some reason, like for me, I don't think like that was really the case because um, 
for one, maybe just my particular grammar school was, it didn't have as much of the tradition as like, yeah. I guess like at Eton or like any other kind of like private school had. Um, but then also I just think as far as like the circles that I, I, I was involved, if it was, if it was still quite um, a different experience, but um, just from your perspective, like Eton clearly historically has had a lot of, um, you know, students from Eton that go on to like Oxbury has gone yeah. to be, you know, quite prominent members of society. So do you feel like the Eton experience prepped you, like how well do you think it prepped you for Cambridge? Yeah, um, I definitely do feel uh, that the Eton experience definitely did uh, sort of help in terms of prepping me for uh, sort of Cambridge, just in, in, the, in the sense that, for one, uh, the majority of my peers were also applying to places like Oxford and Cambridge and other sort of top universities, and um, uh, but both uh, in the UK and abroad in terms of, you know, the Ivy Leagues, etc. Mm. So just sort of being... Uh, in and around that sort of environment definitely just sort of encouraged me to sort of I guess on constantly sort of level up um and also the support from sort of teachers and just the fact that many of them had sort of been to uh Oxford and Cambridge and I guess they just kind of knew how it worked so for example my um my housemaster went to um, King's he was at Cambridge and uh my tutor uh, studied classics at Oxford so you kind of got, I mean, just kind of having that sort of support system around you, um, having, knowing people who've sort of been through the system and know how, know how it works and constantly advise people every year, um, definitely, definitely did help. And I guess just kind of the confidence of coming from a school like Eton and just sort of, because I mean, in, in a sense, you're sort of, I guess, constantly just reminded, you know, about, you know, the alumni and sort of who's, who's kind of come from the school and what they've gone on to produce and it it sort of instills in you a sort of quiet sense of confidence and just self-belief that you know bro like all of these men have been here and have gone on to do some pretty dope stuff like I, I, I probably can too <laughs> do you kind of get what I mean and um I guess um for me though what I will say is that I was very much aware of you know the fact that although I do go to sort of this I guess really good school um there are still certain uh, things that I sort of, certain sort of battles I face and certain struggles I face, just kind of um, uh, based on you know, certain lived experiences, right? Um, so I sort of thought, you know, I'm sure, I, I sort of felt that, you know, although I, you know, have this amazing support, you know, you know I guess it might still be a little, a little bit more tricky because this confidence hasn't necessarily been instilled in me from a super, super young age, as it often would have been for a lot of these uh, other young men who've sort of, in a sense, kind of grown up in privilege. Um, and it's sort of very much sort of second nature. Um, but for me, there was still sort of certain, certain doubts and um, uh, there was still definitely some imposter syndrome that was kicking in. Um, but, you know, Thankfully, I was able to sort of, uh, I guess, overcome that. And um, also in terms of going back to the support that I received, um, you know, there are tons of mock interviews and all of that sort of stuff, which was all, all, all very, very helpful. And I, I actually recall uh, an alumni coming in who studied the same subject that I was applying for and giving us sort of mock interviews. And I guess it's that sort of network of kind of uh, sort of old boys sort of willing to kind of always support one another mm. um, which is obviously great but at the same time I'm very very much aware that you know it's sort of super unfair in a way because you know not everyone sort of has access to this and which is which is one reason I personally feel that it's sort of a right in a sense that Etonians and students from such schools are held to an almost higher standard than the rest of the uh, sort of uh, population as such just because of the support that you receive to be honest mm. Mm. so it's like pay it forward yes definitely yeah and uh, yeah I was just gonna say um that's also kind of one of the reasons that inspired me personally to sort of get involved with all of the access work I do um because I I'm very much aware of the sort of I guess privileges that I've been afforded and I've always been the type of person even before sort of even to be fair to just always try and help out where I can, you know, and um, just sort of, I guess, again, yeah, just paying it forward, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is a good segue, I guess, to talk about 
um, the projects you've been working on. So I was, I was on LinkedIn one time randomly scrolling and um, one of my friends, James, uh, he, he tagged me in one of your posts um, and obviously I was already following at, at that point. So um, telling me about like, oh, yeah, this kid was like a really good kid. How, firstly, actually, how do you know James? I know James. Okay, cool. So James actually came into my secondary school to run uh, a project. So it was basically a combination uh, with football. So we'd, we'd um, I think it was every Tuesday at like 7.30 a.m. We'd sort of come in and play football for like half an hour. And then on like the Wednesday, we'd have some educational classes which would link um, sort of sport to uh, sort of the classroom and mm. basically the skills and the mindset um, how they sort of transfer from the field to the class. And it was quite interesting because a lot of us that were on that program were sort of flagged up as, you know, being sort of, quote unquote, I think maybe uh, disruptive and stuff like that. And it's quite interesting because people who meet me now will often sort of <laughs> will think, you know, I, I'm, I've always kind of been like this and I've some sort of perfect role model for like other young sort of students to follow. But it's quite interesting because when I was like super young, so when I was from like year seven, probably to like year nine, ten, I mean, I wasn't like a bad kid, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I guess I had so much energy that it often translated to just maybe sort of being a little bit cheeky. Mm. You know, that kid that sort of says that little sort of quip and then the whole class starts laughing. That, yeah. was, kinda, that was kind of me. And um, um, I guess <laughs> when I discovered um, poetry, so that's something I haven't actually touched on yet. Um, so. I, I do quite a bit of spoken word poetry. I've been doing that for quite a while. And it was actually nice because you guys had, um, I think it was uh, Caleb, Caleb Femi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently. And he actually, he actually went to my secondary school um, when it was. What school is um, that? It's Globe Academy, but it was Jeffrey Chaucer back in the ah, day. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah. And he actually came in to do a workshop one time. And I, I, that was definitely sort of uh, something that inspired me even sort of more so to sort of pursue, I guess, poetry and yeah, so essentially when I found poetry, which was led by an amazing uh, English teacher called uh, Miss Rigby, um, that sort of allowed me to sort of, uh, I guess, transfer all of this energy into something creative. And I, I feel that that's when the, the transformation, <laughs> I guess you could say, sort of mm. came about. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I answered your question or just went on like a mad sort of detail. <laughs> no, no, no. It was actually, it's really interesting. So, I mean, the initial question was just a, a, a slight tangent of my own where I was asking you how you knew James and stuff. Yes. But yeah, it's actually interesting because now that you, you mentioned it, I do remember at one point James reaching out to me because he's from North West London, right? Um, but he was doing projects in South London. So obviously in North West London, they're like, there's various there's intricacies and nuances of the area in regards to like even like areas that don't get along and that kind of thing to, to yeah. be aware of and he kind of said to me okay yeah you're from south what's the what's the situation in these different parts of south obviously i'm i'm old in it so like i don't i don't know the situation but it reminds me since you mentioned it that's probably around the same time mm. um but what i was going to say is that james tagged me in your linkedin post said, oh he's a really good kid etc and he's working on this um project you should guys should like connect so tell me a little bit more about the AIM Cambridge project yeah. and like, you know, what your role is in it. Cool. So, um, yeah, I guess AIM Cambridge, well, first of all, AIM stands for Access, Inspire and Mobilise. And what, what we are is essentially we're all sort of all student-run student, student run initiative. And essentially it was actually uh, the idea came from uh, a woman called uh, Shay Shamai. She's at St. Cat's at the moment. She's a third year engineer. And so she essentially uh, sort of reached out to me and a sort of few other sort of, I guess, friends and just kind of shared the idea. She was like, you know, I feel like, you know, we need to you know, get the word out that, you know, we are here, you know, students from underrepresented ethnic backgrounds. And we're here to sort of support students who might think that, you know, there aren't people like them um, here and that might discourage them from applying and just... We want to put out content. Um, we want to essentially just uh, showcase our existence, mm. essentially. And um, yeah, so over over the first sort of lockdown, we literally spent like three, four, five months just sort of working on this idea and just fleshing it out. We developed teams, so we've got um, a content team, we've got a social media team, we've got a web development um, 
just sort of several different teams who focus on on different different areas and i lead the social media team so just sort of focusing around uh different content different strategies for growth um essentially how we can reach out and spread the word about who we are mm. and uh, thankfully we've been quite successful so far we managed to get some news coverage from bbc uh look east so myself and a friend called tyra uh who also leads one of the aim teams were sort of interviewed about the work that we do with aim um i've also sort of been profiled by um you know college and stuff which has been really helpful and through that you know we've had great opportunities uh and been connected with some really cool people uh, such as you guys actually so um yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's really cool man and um i mean it's interesting because like we were saying earlier and i think you and tom might have been talking about it before we um kind of got recording but there it, it seems like your generation of cambridge students are a lot more kind of like active with with access projects and even just as far as like diversity and inclusion within universities and the different colleges um and yeah it's, it's really you know uh, at least for me like it makes me quite proud to see that that change as well but um there are other organizations right within within the uni that do similar work you know you have the acs you have um what's it the bame um yeah yeah exactly there's there's loads of kind of different like is there a way that you guys do you guys coordinate with each other and stuff or is it all kind of like all right you do with this we do with that and then there's like crossover or like how does it tend to um there is there is so much there's a lot of collaboration between us because i guess essentially we all have quite similar sort of goals um and we all we sort of just operate differently in terms of our methods um of achieving them so for example we partnered with the bme campaign recently to sort of do a freshers video on to do a, vi- a video for the freshers just before they started on sort of what to bring uh like to uni and whatnot um we partnered with uh a sort of access group called the 93 percent who essentially um so essentially 93 percent of students attend state schools mm. and i th- I'm not too sure specifically what the proportion of them who attend Oxbridge is, but essentially that's the point around they're trying to sort of raise, just trying to sort of get more, I guess, state school students into into um the Oxford and Cambridge. But um yeah, there is so much collaboration. Um it's it's not a competition in any sort of a way. You know, we all sort of support each other in any way that we can and you know, showcase each other's events and stuff like that. And um I think we've often sort of been asked, so how do you differentiate yourselves from these other sort of access? Uh, initiatives and I feel like you know we don't necessarily even need to differentiate ourselves in the sense that I guess the more um the more sort of people who are active in in this sort of space the more sort of people that we can reach essentially it's it's not a, a zero-sum game if, if, if you know what I'm trying to say but um I mean if we were to sort of try and differentiate ourselves essentially what I will say is that again going back to our uh, slogan of access inspire mobilize um, I guess the sort of mobilized part, uh, sort of uh, what we're trying to get is we're trying to sow a seed to encourage um, students to take action. So, for example, a student might have never, ever thought about even applying to a place like Cambridge. But it's our hope that, you know, they stumble across our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube, our LinkedIn see us on bbc news small flex um <laughs> think, bruh, like cool so, so there actually are guys who look like me or sound like me or um have similar lived experiences to me all right cool let me go and do a little bit of research um about cambridge and about you know what subjects they offer so again mm-hmm. just sort of sowing that seed and then uh leading them to sort of hopefully sort of go and do a bit of more research about the institution um yeah yeah um and it's interesting as well in regards to that you, you talked a lot about like content creation and um again when i contrast our experience like i, I mean it, we had instagram we had all the different social media platforms it's not like we didn't but it's i've seen a lot of creativity in the type of content you guys have been putting out and um yeah it'll be interesting just to, to hear a little bit about like what kind of um strategies you've been using and, and how successful they've been i know um you know, AIM Cambridge is still relatively new, but like, mm. 
yeah, what kind of success have you had so far? Yeah, I mean, so we've, I mean, so far we sort of tend to have taken a sort of more traditional route of, you know, just, um, so we've done quite a few Q&As and um, we, I did a video on for students and how to best sort of make use of their LinkedIn. Um, but we do hope to sort of tap into the more sort of up and coming uh, methods of social media, like, you know, the TikToks. Uh, I know uh, ACS did a really, really cool video some time ago on introducing the new committee. It was a really cool sort of TikTok video and that, that went sort of quite viral on Twitter, for example. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's definitely stuff that we're, we're looking into. But um, so far, we've sort of tend to stuck to the more sort of traditional model, again, of sort of Q&As and sort of stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, definitely the future is 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 looking a lot a lot less sort of quote unquote traditional as you know we sort of see where the movements in terms of social media use is is going towards yeah um yeah it's, it's always important i guess to and it's, it's crazy because like there's there's always changing like the landscape's always changing all of a sudden this i don't know tom if you've heard of this this thing called clubhouse like this new I vaguely come across it vaguely. I think I know what it is, but it, like you just get people just all of a sudden just having just congregating on this platform, which is currently on Apple, not on Android. And I say that because I got an Android, but um, then all of a sudden you get like celebrities just having you know, what so called celebrities just kicking with just normal people, you know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah, 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 yeah. it's interesting, yeah, because now it's all kind of like audio based, and you know, with a lot of criticism that Twitter has is the fact that you know, you can't really express yourself that well with the character limit and is it leaves a lot of space for interpretation and you can't really have like a real dialogue before it turns into slander. <laughs> Do you get me? So um yeah, there's interesting platforms are always kind of popping up. So yeah, keeping up with that can yeah, can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. Um cool, but I wanted to just talk a little bit more unless Tommy you have any any questions but um No, I wanted to sorry, I I I I had like one question in mind which was Josh, which was, you know, you've spoken about the fact that, you know, there are loads of organizations doing something and you've kind of given like the USP, unique selling point of aim. But what is like the, uh, I, you have to pardon the pun, but what is the aim of aim? Like that is, you know, the, if there's an ultimate aim or something that you see and you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm pleased with this outcome or these set of outcomes, you know, what, what, what is the aim? It's the aim of aim. Um, cool. So, I mean, I, I feel like, um, I guess ultimately our aim would be for a student who might never have considered Cambridge as someone, sorry, not someone, as something or a place for them. Um, again, probably due to preconceived notions of what a typical Cambridge student might look like and that being somebody who doesn't necessarily reflect them. Mm -hmm. Sort of them coming across our platform and that thought being completely um, sort of changed um, because you cannot, you can't sort of be what you can't see. Um, and I feel like there is, again, like a huge misconception. Don't be wrong, Cambridge isn't necessarily the most diverse institution, but definitely steps are being taken, progress is being made. Uh, this year was the largest ever cohort of, of black students, for example. Um, so I guess ultimately we'd want that sort of student to um, yeah, to sort of consider Cambridge and possibly even apply and hopefully get in. And I guess that would be like a success. And obviously that kind of stuff is really hard to quantify um, because, you know, there isn't a sort of, sort of specific metric, you know. Uh, but, you know, I guess I, I would say that that'd be our sort of our aim. Yeah, essentially someone who hadn't necessarily considered Cambridge as someone, something for them, come across our content and that perception being changed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is quite similar to, to, I mean, when we started over the bridge, it wasn't like a, people asked us, so what, what made you start? And it wasn't like, a, at least from my point of view, it wasn't like an over, okay, we want to like motivate young yeah. black people yeah. to get into Cambridge, whatever the case was. That definitely ended up being quite a, a prominent part of what we do. Mm. But it was really just expressing our experiences and stuff. And now we do have that more of, as I guess, a bit more of an explicit aim in, in that regard so and can um, i can i really just add something actually you just reminded me actually um i guess although you know our, our ultimate sort of quote unquote sort of aim is sort of quite cambridge focused um 
what I would say is that it's not just for that, you know, it's hope that, you know, people might come across our content and even if they're not even looking to apply to university per se, I guess, you know, maybe it might inspire them to sort of, uh, sort of uh, pursue whatever it is that they're aiming to sort of go on to do, or maybe they are looking to apply to university, but I might not necessarily be Cambridge. Um, and that's actually why we're actually hoping to branch out um, and, you know, for there to be an aim uh, Warwick or aim Oxford, for example, mm. almost <laughs> not necessarily a franchise model, but like you kind of get what I'm trying to go with it. And um, yeah, so yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking about that as you said that. Do you, do you, do you know if there's anybody at like the other place, i.e. Oxford, this who's, um, you know, or group of people doing a similar thing, or Warwick or Russell Group Unis? I mean, and have you tried to start the process of 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 collaborating on that? Because I think one of the things I've seen is there is generally a university, uh, university specific focus, which is very understandable for the Oxbridge process. Don't get me wrong, but even that it's not Cambridge, it's Oxbridge. So have you, you know, even that you can do two and two, you can kill two birds with one stone essentially, and you can even make it a wider effort. So, you know, is that something that you are concretely thinking about and taking or potentially thinking about taking steps to make happen? Yeah, um, you must have friends that are, you know, you've yeah, obviously yeah, got yeah. friends that, you know, you know, we we all did, you know what I mean? We all, yeah. Everybody had one friend that went Oxford or Warwick, LSE, wherever it was. Um, so yeah, just thinking about how you potentially can, can map it out, if that's something you want to do. So. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, it's something that we probably haven't given enough thought just yet. I mean, we are in, in our very early stages, to be fair, like, we've only been actually around officially for about, uh, so five, five, five months now, maybe. So, um, like you know, one thing at a time. I'd say, um, you know, uh, AIM is hopefully going to be be around for a long time and sort of going to be around after we, we've all sort of gone. And I sort of feel like for now, it's we're just sort of laying the foundations and essentially um, kind of setting, uh, setting, setting things up essentially with things being Cambridge focused. And hopefully, you know, once we sort of have uh, sort of success we can then sort of start to think about branching out to other universities but we just want to make sure the model is kind of able to be like replicated um and i mean there definitely is a lot of stuff already that's kind of cross uh, cross collaborative so like there's stuff like um i think access oxbridge you've obviously got target oxbridge uh run by sort of the amazing uh naomi and um lots of others um and i do sort of feel like it's not like the options are limited, you know, people are aware of these um, sort of platforms and um, initiatives. So it's not like they're short for options. So again, I, I sort of feel like now we're focusing on, on Cambridge, but definitely in the future, I'm sure it's something that uh, will, will, will be on the cards. And then, Quaker, sorry, I just got one more question before I pass back to you, because I'm, I'm just curious about this, but it's like, you know obviously you know it sounds like you guys are and what you guys are doing is is incredibly commendable and so but what i want to ask is kind of more the um the practicalities of it or, or the time effort required from you guys because i'm like i look at your team at least the team displayed on the website so admin coding slash web branding uh video partnership social media which you're in and then faqs and written content it seems like there's quite a significant squad. It's like you almost got a football squad between all of you lot. So <laughs> presumably that means the, the the commitment isn't that high in terms of the quantum of time. Because mm. um, all of you can just put, you know, if, if you've got a team of like, you know, 15, 20 people and you'll put an hour in a week, it's actually quite substantial versus having just a team of two. So talk about that. Talk about how the work is divided among you not within the divisions that you're in, because that's obvious on the website, but how do you work? How often do you meet? Um, yeah, just talk about how you kind of mobilize together and actually work. Yeah, so I mean, each team sort of has a different, I guess, method of uh, sort of working, for example. Um, so for example, the social media team, which which I lead, um, will tend to sort of at least try to meet every couple of weeks or so. Um, we definitely did... Uh, uh, you know, before term started, but now that's sort of more harder to do. And so maybe tend to do like a monthly meeting. Um, but what often happens is that when we do meet, we sort of, um, sort of 
look at what needs to be done. And then from that, we just divide up tasks. So for example, if I've got some free time, like I might work, if I've got more, the most free time, I might work on the most sort of challenging sort of uh, top issue. Or um, if maybe two people have some time, then they might be able to sort of spread out the load, but we're very accommodating in terms of, you know, for example, if I know that someone has like a sort of super busy workload, I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. You know, someone else will take that or we'll come on to that later. So essentially with a large team, it's very helpful because we're really, really able to sort of spread out the workload. And it often means that no one is left sort of uh, overburdened with work. And we understand, you know, we're uni students. And if something doesn't get done, you know, it doesn't get done, you know, we'll come on to it when we do have the time because at the end of the day, our degrees have to come first. You know, we can't be, can't be leaving here not sort of fulfilling what we came here for. Um, you know, we do this because we're passionate about it. We don't get paid, anything like that. Um, although we are sort of seeking funding currently from, from uni just in terms of, uh, so for example, social media team, if we have some funds, we're able to sort of even uh, wider our reach through sort of sponsored posts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, generally speaking, you know, I can only speak for my team because I don't really know specifically how the other teams um, are, are run, but um, yeah, that's, that's essentially the way we go about doing things there there's quite a bit of partnership also within within teams so you know when i did a video on uh, like how to use linkedin for example there was a lot of collaboration with the video and alternative content team you know we have a wonderful uh, editor called uh, ty so she tends to edit a lot of our content and it was great because she essentially ran a webinar for anyone who, from aim who wanted to join on how to sort of use editing software. And that was great because it meant that the workload can could be reduced for her, for example, because now like five, five, six of us know how to edit videos, for example. So, yeah. Sweet. And I, I did want to, there's, there's a, you know, you're at uni at the moment under some very unusual circumstances, right? Um, so it'd be okay. interesting just to, just, yeah, that, I guess that kind of goes without saying. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what's your experience been like being at, at uni during lockdown? Obviously, we're locked down 2.0 at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how's that been? I mean, first and foremost, it's been pretty dry. Like, <laughs> pretty dry, like, to be honest. Um, uh, so I, different colleges have different policies. I mean, early on, you know, before we actually went into lockdown, the majority of colleges, you know, weren't letting people have any sort of guests. So uh, Jesus Green, which is like a, Central Park in Cambridge tend to, tended to be like a little sort of meet, meeting point, motives were being run there and stuff like that. But I mean, now, like now we're actually in official lockdown. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> nothing's really been happening. Um, I mean, I've been going on walks with like a friend occasionally and that's pretty, it's really nice actually. But I definitely feel like I've become more in touch with nature, but you know, which is always nice. Um, I've been doing quite a lot of running. I feel like everyone's sort of taking up running over quarantine. Mm. But no, that's, it's, it's been super nice. Um, in terms of of like work, I mean, it's, to be fair, it's, it's been a bit helpful because it's actually just you and your laptop, and you know you kind of have to get it done. There's not really any excuses, to be honest. And it's sort of helped. I mean, I think I mentioned just before we started the call that like for one of the first times, I'm actually ahead on ahead on work. So <laughs> it's, it's, and it's quite rare. That's like, mad, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean. <laughs> So like, I haven't got an SAD for like a week and a half, which in Cambridge terms is is a long time. That's a nice break. Bro, that is a nice break, you know. I'm thinking, imagine imagine if we had like a, more than a week off, because like, we were just ahead of studies. I, I tell you, I don't think I was ever ahead. I think that maybe for the first, I don't know, week, week and a half, when the work ramps up, you're mm. ahead as mm. everybody is. But then eventually it's just a bam, 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 bam. Yeah. I mean, and you've got to do these. How, yeah. how many supervisions do you have to do a week? Actually, I want to I want to clarify this. Um, it's What's so your it, contact contact time like? It varies hugely. Um, so the way my course works is essentially supervisions are arranged by this by the supervisor essentially like when they're free. So for example, I could have so last week I had three supervisions in a week, and this week I have none. For example, so it's just very it's just very sporadic, mm. and um, yeah, which means that you have to be very organized yourself. And so for example, I submitted one of my essays 
um i think maybe four days before it was due and my supervisor like messaged me he was like wow like this is <laughs> this is this is unheard of <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, I've, got, I've got another one due like tomorrow. So I was like, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just forced me to sort of just be on point with it all. And um, I think it's just something that I'm going to try and sort of, I guess, continue sort of with even sort of post lockdown. Because I mean, it's it's helpful. I'm not going to lie. Like, I can focus on a lot of the stuff I do outside of uni, actually. That, I mean, I can quickly touch on as well. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, um yeah man touch on touch on because you obviously yeah, yeah. Led, led the way so touch on yeah. stuff that you do outside yeah so you're I'm just a, giving I'm, it to us you know i know, like. I know. <laughs> uh, so I'm a, I'm a trustee of a, of a charity called the Oppenham foundation so it's a sort of relatively new charity and what we what we sort of aim to do is reduce uh exclusions in state secondary schools um and um i guess it's something that i'm super passionate about because i i know the impact of that, that being excluded from secondary school can have. I mean, I was never sort of personally excluded, but, you know, I have friends who, who were excluded and, you know, the sort of uh, sort of trajectory that that sort of at least made, might have encouraged was was one that wasn't necessarily the most positive. And we, we, we all know about like the exclusion to prison pipeline. And I've seen mm-hmm. so many, so many people that I went to school with sort of follow that. And even some students that went on to be excluded I'm not saying this directly sort of cause, but they're sadly no longer, no longer here. And just sort of um, kind of witnessing that firsthand uh, definitely sort of kind of struck, struck a nerve with me and just sort of encouraged me to sort of at least try to sort of do what I can to um, sort of challenge and change that. Uh, and if even one student we can prevent from being expelled or excluded, I think I think it's, it's it's amazing essentially. So I guess the way the way we sort of operate is <clears throat> um, our mentors. It's it's all through mentorship essentially. So our mentors will mentor a set of year twelve, so in the sixth form of the school, and they then use the sort of skills that they required to support uh, younger students within the school, and just um, uh, sort of help you know instill confidence, instill leadership skills. Um, encourage them to take up you know extracurricular activities because personally for me as i mentioned earlier for me it was a, it was the poetry and it was it was that sort of creativity that encouraged me to kind of um i guess um use my energy in the most uh effective way uh, per se so um we're running a few pilots at the moment and we've had a few schools sign up so currently you know we're just sort of trying to fundraise and and, and whatnot so um yeah and um some of the stuff i do um i work with another sort of uh initiative set up with, with some friends at uni and some friends at with some friends at cambridge and a friend at ucl and that's called uh, hu capital so that stands for historically underrepresented capital and essentially what we are we're sort of we're europe's actual europe's first student run um we don't call ourselves a hedge fund, but student-run fund. And essentially, what what we sort of do is we uh, we we make finance and um, financial services more accessible for students from uh, sort of underrepresented backgrounds within finance, and we deem that to be uh, attributed to race, uh, socioeconomic background, and uh, gender. So. I lead on the on the fundraising side of things, and essentially we've literally just finished our uh, our fundraising debt, uh, so that's super exciting. We're hopefully going to send that out, and yeah, we're going to use that money to sort of put into our fund and invest in companies which meet, which sort of uh, sort of tick our sort of ESG sort of standards. So that's environmental social governance, and they're focused at companies that have a focus on essentially sort of improving diversity and stuff like that because from research we sort of found that these companies in the long run will, will be um most successful um and yeah i'm also sort of super interested in sort of personal finance um i i've done sort of like instagram sort of q a's and stuff like that uh i sort of just try to encourage all my friends to sort of try to sort of be as financially literate as possible so just kind of talking about stuff like stocks and shares ices and Stuff like that. I really how big is your stock portfolio, bro? That's what I want to know. How big is your stock? Talk to me about your stock portfolio. How big is it? <laughs> Do you know, as soon as this talk, this convo came up, yeah, and you mentioned personal finance and yeah. funds, I was like, Tom's going to get onto you. 
Like, like, when you say how big is it, do you mean like how many companies? No, no, no. I just want to know what's the quantum of investments that you've made in your stock portfolio? Okay, so um, I've over time I've saved around around about five k. Um, so the majority it's a of solid that amount. No, I appreciate that. Um, the majority of that is in my stocks and shares ISA, um, just because I feel like that's probably like the safest way to to invest. Um, uh, but I also sort of fiddle around on the actual sort of stock market, uh, trading two on two. So I've created a few, a few what are called pies. Are you familiar with that feature? So it allows you to sort of um, essentially create a mini mini ISA. Oh, so, sorry, a mini sort of. Uh, what a, a mini stocks and shares like a basket basically yeah, yeah it's like a basket you can take so make. Yeah, I've yeah. Got a growth pie and i've got a tech pie and i've got a um a dividend pie as well so just companies i feel like you know will sort of do quite well but it's quite nice i got i got into neo quite early so um yeah <laughs> if you know you're nice neo oh, the coin yeah, neo's neo's nice man no no neo what the coin or the company neo oh, the company the company okay. the company neo is a chinese chinese electric vehicle maker uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good play um and yeah like we're up quite nicely on that i'm just i'm just slightly regretting that i didn't put in a bit more but the game you're not up on fx though are you because i've i've you're that's the Uh thing right because that's the thing don't be deceived by these chinese ev makers because you're buying the adr and the adr basically will either take you from yen to dollars which can be up significantly by 100 percent, but go fx it back into sterling euro whatever and you're not actually going to be up that much i should caution you with that so Mm. you have to be aware that with these companies when you're up what currency have you bought it in? Have you bought the ADR, ADRs in dollars? So you've bought the ADRs. So look at dollar yen and then look at your gains and then, you know, tell me whether you're up as much. Because uh, I, I, well, I don't want to disclose some of my positions, but I have a similar position, not in NEO, but in something else. And I'm like, this thing is great. Then I look at on the FX, because really you have to bear in mind that when you make these investments, you have to look at the FX position, right? When you mm. look at the FX position, you know, you adjust it back. You're like, damn, I'm not actually up that much. Mm. So mm. that's all I'm going to say with Neo, actually. So you might think you're up in in that, but go FX it back from uh, yen to dollar back to sterling, which is what you're getting it back in ultimately. Mm. Unless you've done a W8 Ben form when you can actually get it back in dollars and then you won't actually be up by that much. So that's all I'm saying to you. So be aware of FX, mate. I appreciate that. I saw you taking notes during that, so I think that's probably a conversation that would, is, is good to have uh, <laughs> after the pod as well, so you and Tom should definitely talk. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, but I mean, one thing that actually got me sort of quite, um, that encouraged me to sort of pursue that actually was one of, one of the episodes that you guys did um, quite a while ago with, was it, um, was it, was it Ken? the Money? Which one? Is it The Humble Penny or is it Mr. Money Jar? It would have been Mr. Money Joe, actually. Yeah, if my guy Timmy. Both of them, to be honest. Big up, big up my man, bruv. Yeah, big up actually, Timmy. That's my yeah, guy. Timmy. Timmy. I, Timmy. <laughs> I, I've actually uh, sort of connected with Timmy, actually, and we did a Q&A together, actually, which is the one I mentioned earlier. But yeah, t- t- Timmy's super, super, super nice guy, man. And um, now he, he, he's helped me a lot in terms of my personal journey. And um, yeah, now huge, huge props to Timmy. Sick man, no, no, you, you, you're doing a lot, bro. It's, it's very nice to see. I'm, I'm similar, like one of these people that has like multiple projects ongoing all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's sick to see that you're, you're, you're juggling everything, you know, quite well. And I guess just to close off, um, you know, your was it your second year you're in? Um, yes, second year, second year, right? Um, have you started thinking about what? you kind of want to be doing post-university no pressure of course but like what, what are your thoughts at the moment so let's see i'm quite quite interested in finance but also i'm quite interested in consulting actually so i'm sort of strategy consulting so specifically so you know the mckinsey's bcg's baines companies like that just because i'm i sort of really enjoy sort of solving complex problems um and i feel like it gives me a bit more flexibility than um sort of going into but I need to be, I'm sort of very aware that there's so many different sort of op- options within the financial services also. So, but I mean, just generally speak, speaking, I feel like my sort of skill set sort of aligns more with um, sort of consulting. Uh, but definitely it's just something that I feel, even if I do go into consulting, I might go into finance a bit later on and vice versa. So, yeah, and I don't really sort of see myself just doing one thing. Um, I feel like I'll sort of always have my hands in sort of several different, different piles, but um yeah, I mean, and I'm also sort of super passionate about doing something um, that's sort of super purposeful, um, whether it's uh, doing it, uh, you know, simultaneously with the main job or, you know, vice versa. But 
Yeah, I mean, I feel finance or consulting. So yeah. one, of, one of them, one of them. So, um, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, and like you said, there's there's obviously always scope to move in between both. And like once you're in that space anyway, like there's, there's always scope to move around. Um, which reminds me about... Um, I've done. I'm gonna plug you, Tom. Actually, Capital Moments. <laughs> they got a lot of good information around commercial <laughs> awareness and, and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, definitely look that. Up. Um, cool. No, bro, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. Um, like, you. I think a lot of our listeners, particularly our, our younger ones, will, will get a lot out of this um, about your journey and you know the various barriers and stuff that you've kind of jumped through in order to to get to where you are and of course like there's going to be so much more success to come and a lot of the positive things you're doing whilst at uni alongside your degree which again is probably adds more to your character building than the degree itself so um yeah super proud of what you're doing bro um keep at it when it comes to you guys yeah, setting man. up your podcasts let us know obviously we can give you little tips and, and what have you yeah to bro get. Get in touch with Quaker. He's, he's a, the guy's a, he's the he's the sound engineer, bro. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to think. Specialist, bro. I'm trying to think. Small, small. Um, but yeah, specialist out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got any questions, obviously you can always reach out back to us. And um, if you want us to come on the pods, happy to come. And vice versa, if you, if anyone in your team wants to come again and talk about other things as time progresses, like just shout me. Oh, definitely, man. I appreciate that. And I just wanted to to add as well, man. Um, like I've been, I've been listening. I've actually listened to every episode um, of the pod since its inception, and um, I've oh, learned. That yeah. is crazy! Wow, yeah. I've learned. I've learned so much, and um, um, sort of. I actually, I actually mentioned you guys in my personal statement. Actually, as sort of a source of inspiration for studying uh, human, social, and political sciences. Actually, so um, yeah, I guess just sort of saying like, big up you guys. I feel like you guys are almost like sort of big brothers you know in, in a way it, just sort of hearing hearing you sort of speak and just kind of taking in all, all of the advice and whatnot over the over the years um it's been sort of super beneficial to me and i'm sure many other listeners out there so thank you guys uh for that what's oh, your what's you. your favorite episode thank you by the way but what's your what's oh, your favorite hard. episode that's hard. That's hard. oh that's a favorite episode oh man that's really hard but probably just in terms of um um what i sort of have gone on to do as a result of it it probably have to be one of the financial ones so like mr money job but i've also really i really enjoyed the one you guys did quite early on about gentrification uh that was time ago um uh, because one of the poems that i i've written um that was the sort of same topic and uh yeah i really i really resonated with that just seeing the way my area is changing as well and also the one on masculinity as well um yeah definitely sort of it's hard to sort of pinpoint one specific one but mm. probably those three i'd say um are definitely my favorites it's good choice oh, blessings man blessings exactly yeah. good choices man. <laughs> good choices. <laughs> cool um and obviously you touched on a couple of times about you your poetry and stuff and we didn't really go into too much detail about it but um where can we hear like hear stuff like you on youtube so you on the instagrams there's not too much out there if i'm honest like a lot of it tends to be just kind of friends knowing i do a bit of poetry and just sort of checking me out essentially i mean or just sort of asking me to perform so i've done a lot of stuff at uni mm. but, i mean there are, there are one or two things on youtube <laughs> a bit of my older stuff but i mean it's uh if you just type in i think joshua Adeyemi, so that's a-d-e-y-e-m-i or maybe josh um i'm not too sure what name i would have went by but um yeah, you probably find some stuff out there. But um, to be honest, like most of it, again, is just if you hear it, you hear it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not too, I'm not too out there like that. But um, yeah. No, it's good, man. Everyone, everyone needs a creative outlet, I think. So that's, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously have a close friend, uh, George the Poet, who, who had somewhat of a, you know, similar interest yeah, yeah, and went yeah. on to do. Yeah. So you never know. You never know how things turn up. <laughs> Right, perfect. So before before we go, um, please feel free to plug your your various socials, um, websites, etc. Yeah, I no, appreciate it. So um, um, first of all, sort of aim Cambridge. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's um, aim is it dot or underscore? I always forget. It's either aim dot or underscore Cambridge. Um, I think it's dot. Um, if you want to follow us, uh, sort of hu capital. It's hu capital management um Opperdom foundation sort of the same sort of Opperdom foundation got a website 
at www.opendfoundation.co.uk. We're actually recruiting for mentors at the moment, actually. Uh, that's a paid role. So if you're interested, uh, if you go on our website and you go on the how to help section, that, that will be there. Um, and yeah, also I'm an advisor. Uh, I'm a sort of on the advisory board for uh, anti-knife crime charity actually set up by the amazing Ben Lindsay, um, uh, who's a sort of author and sort of pastor as well. So if you want to sort of check that out, that's powerthefight.co.uk and powerthefightuk on social media. Um, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> thank you, Josh. Um, wicked. So thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, you know, as usual, the socials we go by at OTB Podcast UK on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you want to send us an email, we love receiving emails, love hearing your thoughts. Um, OTB Podcast UK at gmail.com. So thank you again and enjoy the rest of your days, weeks, evenings, etc. Over and out. Blessings. <laughs>